All right. Well, good morning, everybody. How are you guys doing? Good. I love being over here, so so thank you. I'm excited. Um, I want to start our time this morning with a story. So this is a story of uh, when our family lived in Milwaukee. Prior to living in Grafton, we had a house in Milwaukee, and this house was built in the 1920s, and so we very affectionately referred to it as Old Crumbly. So maybe if you're like us, you name things. Um, I name our cars, have names. Um, our houses have names. I don't know why. Maybe that's just my own problems. But you name things because it, it makes it more personal. So we named it Old, Old Crumbly. However, Old Crumbly did have its upsides. It wasn't just Old Crumbly. One of its upsides was the fact that it had great soil. And I don't know if it had great soil because they didn't scrape all the topsoil off the lots before they, when they built houses back then, or if it had just 80 plus years to regenerate great soil. I'm not sure which one it is, but we decided to grow a garden. Any gardeners here? A couple. Some of you aren't willing to admit you're a gardener. So we, we decided to grow a garden. You know, whenever you grow a garden, you always think, you know, we're, we're not going to be those people who plant those huge gardens. We're just going to do something small, right? Isn't that what we all say? I'm just going to try something. I'm going to do something small. Well, that's what Kristen and I did. Um, ours, the garden that I dug size-wise was small. Like I dug, you know, where, where it tilled out and everything. It was small, but we didn't realize how many things we wanted to plant in that small garden until we started buying seeds. So we bought so many seeds that we decided, you know, and we, we, we decided to plant a little bit of everything is what we ended up doing. So what happened was, is um, we planted peas and beans and peppers and tomatoes and cucumbers, and we even planted, um, the most controversial one was watermelon. I wanted to see, I thought we could grow watermelon in Milwaukee, and and Kristen wasn't too sure, so I was like, we're going to plant one and watch. We're going to grow watermelon. So, so we bought all these seeds, we planted all these things, and we took care of our garden, we watered it, and it took off. Okay? Our, our garden took off. In fact, um, there was so many things in our garden. We took care of it, we did everything that we could, everything went very well. We even got a few small little watermelons. So I don't know if I won or lost because you would have to judge it based on the size. They were, they were pretty small. Um, but we didn't realize that two cucumber plants could produce so many cucumbers. That's, that was our big takeaway that year. And um, you guys are laughing because maybe you can relate. Um, so over the course of that summer and fall, we had harvested hundreds of cucumbers out of our garden. And we turned into that family who the family that gave everyone we ran into cucumbers. <laughs> so if, if you came to our house, you were going to leave with a grocery bag of like, there's just 80, there's just 80 cucumbers, take them, they're for you. You know, and you're trying to be generous. You're like, no, it's really our gift to you, and really we're trying to get rid of all the cucumbers before they go to waste. That, that was us. In fact, people would lock the doors in their cars at church for fear of getting a bag of cucumbers from the Welches. We'll just slip this in, you know. And so 
that was our, our cucumber dilemma. In fact, we didn't realize also how, how viney the cucumber and watermelon plants were. They actually quickly overgrew and outgrew our garden. I, I had to move the vines in order to mow the grass. Have you ever had to do that before? Or um, the vines actually took over our parking slab next to our garage. Like it just kept growing. And so I thought we were planting this little garden, but the garden doesn't stay contained by where I dug. And so it just overgrew everywhere. So it was kind of like Jack and the Beanstalk a little bit. It just got out of hand. We could have used a trellis, really. So gardening is wild. And since then, we haven't had as much luck at our Grafton house um, growing, growing things there. It could be because of the plethora of pine trees that were planted uh, when we got there. But I wanted to talk today, what I want to talk about today has to do a little bit with gardening. Okay? Specifically, a trellis. So Josh is going to grab something for me. Um, I actually have a trellis thanks to Becky Byers. Thank you, Becky, for, for bringing that. And so this trellis is going to help us understand what we're going to talk about today. Um, so let's take a few minutes, and you're going to grab your Bibles because we need to kind of prepare the ground for our trellis. Okay, so you're going to grab your Bibles, and we're looking up John chapter 15, starting at verse 1. Thanks, Josh. I know. I'm glad it wasn't way bigger. Thanks for only bringing part of it. So I'm going to set this. You guys are grabbing your Bibles. We're looking at John 15, verse 1. I'm going to set the trellis here because it won't stand on its own. Alright, this is going to help us. Okay. So, before we read John 15, verse 1, you have to understand something about Jesus and the culture in which he lived. Okay? Today we don't garden necessarily like they used to. We don't garden to sustain our family as they would have in the past. That's why we have grocery stores. And everybody said, Amen. That's right. <laughs> and so in Jesus' time, it was common for families to farm to provide for their families. There were other trades, of course. But this whole gardening and farming analogy Jesus is about to show us in John 15 um, probably makes a lot more sense to them, really resonated with them, maybe a little bit better than it does today. However, I still think um, we can understand this, and it's a a very good analogy for us as well. But those of you who understand farming and gardening uh, will appreciate Jesus' words here. So John 15, verses 1 through 5 says this, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes, so that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, so neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me, and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me you can do nothing. The verse is up here on the wall as well. See, where, where Jesus lived, near modern-day Israel, the, the climate was right for growing grapes. So this parallel made sense to them. Um, grapes grow on grape vines. And I think this is understandable to us today, too. Um, in this passage, Jesus describes everyone's role. So let's walk through each of these roles. First, Jesus is the vine... God 
is the vine dresser or the gardener. We are the branches. All of us who are followers of Jesus are the branches who are supposed to bear fruit. So understanding these roles is incredibly essential to our faith, so we can't miss this in order to to figure out what we're talking about for today. So as the gardener, God the Father attends to the plant, making sure it has the amount of sunlight it needs, that it's planted in the right spot, that the soil mixture is sufficient for whatever is to be grown. He also attends to the plant itself, right? To make sure that it's pruned, to maximize the amount of fruit it can produce. Jesus is the vine. And as the vine, the vine is, is the source. The vine is the source. It is the avenue by which the nutrients pass through to reach the branches that will produce the fruit. And for us, as the branches, is our, our job as the branches, if, if we are separated from that vine, it's really the kiss of death for us. Not only will the branch not produce fruit, but apart from the vine, the branch itself will die. If the branch dies, there will be less fruit, and the less fruit there is, the fewer opportunities there are to reproduce the plant. Remember, the branches are supposed to produce the fruit. Fruit contains the seed, which allows the plant to multiply. Right? Like science class here. So is this making sense so far? We understand the process, everybody's role. What Jesus is talking about here, what our role is, we are simply the branch. We are the branch which should be producing spiritual fruit, which is Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. The entire vine analogy infers growth too. Okay, So not just physical plant growth, but spiritual life growth. So much growth, in fact, that we, as the branch, produce spiritual fruit. And, and here's the thing about this passage. Is it's not just a suggestion. Jesus isn't saying, like, this is a good idea for you. Um, it's, it's not an ideal for us to shoot for out, there, uh, out somewhere in the distance, but it's actually God's plan and God's expectation for every follower of Jesus. That's the reality of this. And so my question for you is, are you bearing fruit? If you are a follower of Jesus, are you bearing fruit? If so, what kind of fruit? Not is the person next to you bearing fruit, or if the person you live with, are they bearing fruit? A lot of times we can be really good at judging other people's fruit. But are you bearing fruit? Is God trying to do some pruning in your life so you bear more fruit? And if so, how are you responding? Do you get mad at the pruning that God is trying to do? Or do you choose to believe that God, the vine dresser, has good fruit in store for you? Pruning hurts the branch at first, doesn't it? Nobody likes getting snipped. But in the end, the branch always bears better and more fruit. So it's worth it. And in order to understand what I'm going to talk about next, we have to understand this portion of Scripture. The roles that everybody plays in the process that is spelled out here by Jesus. Okay? Everyone, everyone with me so far? Here we go. Now what about the trellis? What is the deal with the trellis? Well, with this process in mind that I just spelled out, the past many months for Kristen and I have been a time of a lot of reflection. Um, I've been reflecting on our almost eight years here at Portview and what God has done during those years and how we have been just a small part of a much bigger story of what God is doing at Portview Church and what He is doing in the lives of the people at this church and the lives of all of you. Around here we talk a lot about structure, especially in the office. We talk a lot about it. 
But what kind of structure? Well, Becky Byers, thanks to you, you loaned us this trellis. And this, I'd like to add to our structure. I think it's a, a great representation of the structure that has been built over time at Portview. Pastor Mark, you've referred to many different structures throughout the years that I've been here. Portview's been an incubator, I remember that, all the way to a house where we built the foundation. You bury the foundation and you build the walls. And those are all different kinds of structures. But today, Pastor Mark, I'd like to add another visual for our structure. Can I add the trellis? All right, I'm going to add the trellis. What, what is a trellis used for? It's used for gardening, right? To do what? Well, really to help plants grow well and bear more fruit. In fact, a trellis is an architectural structure usually made from an open framework or lattice of interwoven or intersecting pieces of wood, bamboo, or in this case, metal, that is normally made to support and display climbing plants, especially shrubs and vines. So there are many different types of trellis for different places and different plants, from agricultural types to garden uses for climbers, such as grapevines and clematis and ivy and climbing roses and other support-based growing plants. The rose trellis is especially common in Europe and in other rose-growing areas, and many climbing rose varieties actually require a trellis to reach their potential as garden plants. Some plants will climb and wrap themselves around a trellis with, without much artificial help being needed, while others need training by passing the growing shoots, the branches, through the trellis and maybe actually tying them to the framework. And as I've reflected back, I've seen our time here at this church as building part of the trellis for the branches to grow onto and to reach the potential God has intended for them. Think about it. A grapevine. How will it produce more and better fruit? A grapevine that grows along the ground or one that grows on a trellis? What about roses? Which situation would be better for producing more roses? A rose vine left to grow in the dirt or one that grows on a trellis? In both situations, both plants would produce more and better fruit if a trellis were used. Hopefully, we have been able to add to the trellis God has been putting together at Portview Church. And the cool part about this is that we're not alone. In fact, each one of you have a part in building of this structure. And it's incredibly important. There are different roles, yes, but there's really one job, to grow and to help others grow. And isn't that the job of a trellis? To help the plant grow and reach its full potential. We have an individual responsibility to grow spiritually, but we also have a corporate responsibility to help those around us do the same. And that's what a trellis does. Helps the branches grow and be fruit producers. A trellis is built piece by piece. So what I want to do is just take a few moments and share with you some of the pieces of the trellis. Pieces of the trellis of Portview Church. One piece of the structure or trellis is simply this, loving God and loving people together. If you have your Bibles, you are in John. Flip back to Matthew. We're going to look at Matthew chapter 4, verse 18. Matthew chapter 4, verse 18, to look at this piece of the structure. It seems pretty simple, but it absolutely needs to be there. 
Matthew 4.18, Jesus is calling, going to call his disciples, and it says in 18 and 19, Now as Jesus was walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who was called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, what did he say, everybody? Follow me. That's right. He said, follow me. Yeah, what, does a, what does a follower of Jesus do? You know, back then they, could, they literally left their nets and they went and followed him, right? They, they could physically do that. But what does this look like? Well, flip a few pages over, Matthew chapter 22, verse 35. Jesus describes, when asked this question, what a follower should be, or what a follower should do, or what a follower looks like. Matthew chapter 22, verses 35 through 37. Um, somebody was going to try to challenge Jesus, which just for the record is a bad idea. Okay, <laughs> You don't want to mess with Jesus. And, and the funny thing about Jesus is Jesus actually responded more with questions than he did with answers, which is the sign usually of a very good teacher. Because by, by asking questions, you force people to wrestle with their answers internally and then be able to repeat a response to you. So, so Jesus, someone's trying to nail him to the wall. One of them, a lawyer, asked him a question, testing him, Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus actually answered him. He answered him directly. He did not respond with a question. And he said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great and foremost commandment. The second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. This whole idea as a follower of Jesus, for us to be loving God and loving people together, is an incredible piece of this trellis. Now, what, what does this part of the trellis look like and feel like? So, so this would look like or feel like having a relationship with God and others. is maybe a simple way to put it. To be with. God and others, to receive from God and other people, to, to grow, to abide. It's the inflow of God into your life in a relationship with God and with others. And of course, as Jesus usually does, he gives us an excellent example of what this looks like because this is how he spent most of his time. All of the things, of all the things that the Savior of the universe could have spent his time doing, he chose to spend time most of his time with his disciples, pouring into them, teaching them, walking together, explaining things. Your relationship with God is not just a me and Jesus thing. It's not meant to be done alone. For us at Portview, this part of the trellis is connect groups, our weekend worship services, right? Our adult faith path. The triangle of change, right? The key words for success in any of these areas are inflow and intentionality. You need to be intentional personally and relationally with your family, friends, and church. As you position yourself, which is we've been talking a little bit about this today, as you position yourself to receive that inflow from God. So, how many of you have consistently incorporated any of these things into your lives? connect groups, worship services, you're here. Okay? If you have done that, then you have been utilizing the trellis 
for its intended purpose. But there's more. There's, there's many pieces to a trellis. As you see here, there's not just one stick that goes straight up. There's, there's actually many things that go upward, and then there's things that go across, right? So it's all interwoven. You know, we're, as, as Americans, we love to put things in, a, in an order of priority, right? There's a number one and number two. Well, number two is less than number one, okay? So you've got to be careful how you order them because everything's leveled. Everything's, you know, has a space. Everything has to be um, equaled out and, and, and judged and weighted. Well, when the trellis that we're talking about here, everything is intertwined. And so sometimes that's tough for us to see. But the reality is that it's not, there's, there's not levels because you can, be, you can be growing on one trellis and be growing on another part of the trellis. Does that make sense? Okay. I, I wish I could just make it really incredibly logical and just spell it out and level it all for you, but it's really not. It's all intertwined and all works together. And you'll see that because the next piece of the trellis is this, helping others love God and love people. Look back at Matthew chapter 4, verse 18. We left out a piece of verse 19 when, when Jesus said to, to his disciples who were going to follow him, he said to them, follow me. But the sentence doesn't end there. And this is another piece of, of the trellis. It says, follow me and I will make you fishers of men or fishers of people. So we just talked about the intentional inflow. Here we add the component of intentional overflow. In order to intentionally overflow, we need to have the inflow. There's a lot of flow going on here. You feel me flow? There's all this flow going on. This overflow is how we can be others-focused and intentional at home with our families, at church when we serve and lead, and intentional in our communities and workplaces. This part of the trellis at Portview is made up of things like Home Point, the Child Faith Path, the Worship Team, Merge, Community Cleanup, Movie in the Park, all of our kids and youth leaders and teachers and helpers, those serving in the cafe, all of you are part of helping others love God and love people together. And the beautiful thing about that is you, is you only need a little bit of inflow to have some outflow. You don't need to wait and try to get filled up to this huge glass until you can actually serve or lead or reach out or be others focused. God can do that, do that work immediately when we become His followers. In fact, sometimes people who first come to Christ are some of the best overflowers and really challenge the rest of us who have followed Jesus for a long time to overflow a little bit more. Maybe we need to drill our hole down a little further so the overflow comes a little easier or a little quicker. How many of you have served or are doing some of these things that I mentioned? Raise your hand if you serve in any of these areas. In any, I, like Seriously, I'm, I really want you to raise your hands. Because I want you to realize... In any, keep them up. Even if for like a one-time event, if you have served or led in any way. I mean, if you look around the sanctuary here, many of you, most of you, have served in this capacity in some way, whether it's small or large. Remember, it's, there's not levels here. Okay? You have been a part of this process. You have been part of building this trellis then at Portview Church, this inflow Overflow and then repetition of this process is the building of a trellis that God, the vine dresser, uses to help the branches grow upward and produce more and better fruit. You and I are a part of this. We're a part of it together, which is the beauty of it. 
That's the best part about this, is God chooses to use us to be a part of this process. As I have reflected upon our time at Portview, I'm excited about having been part of such a great trellis building team. It's been awesome. And I'm so proud. During 2006, I was a teacher at the time, I was reminded of why I went into teaching. See, I wanted to be a teacher when I was in college, um, went, to, went to school for that, because I wanted to positively influence kids. My heart always went out to kids, especially kids from difficult backgrounds. I mean, after all, and you guys understand this, none of those kids chose to be put in those tough situations. They didn't ask for that. Those difficult backgrounds, those tough times, the, the, the mess that can occur. And I'd been teaching about four years at that time. And that particular morning before school, I remember praying over each chair that represented a child I would have in class that day. As I was praying, I was questioning God why so many of those kids' situations weren't getting better and what I was supposed to do about it. And the first thing I was reminded of is that Jesus is the vine, we are the branches, right? That God is the one who does the changing and that He is powerful enough to intervene and that He also loves and cares about those kids more than I do and more than anyone else does. Which means that He would be with them through those tough times. That prayer was quickly followed by this question though. What is the best way to see real life change in a child's and in a family's life? How, how could kids' lives really turn around? You know, At that moment, I believe God gave me a very real answer. And it was simply this. The local church. I spent some time thinking through that response that God uses the local church to bring about real long-term change in people and families. And the more I thought and the more examples I came up with, the more it made sense. I, I wrestled with this and, and realized that it was the answer. That God working through the local church I think really is the answer. It was that realization coupled with a few other things God had given to me that started the journey off to full-time ministry. It wasn't too long after that that I talked to Kristen for the first time about maybe God might want me to possibly go into ministry. She thought she married a teacher. It wasn't too long after that conversation that we took the jump. It was about another three years and some final Bible courses that I became a pastor and took the jump and we came to Portview Church. And the reason that I share this story with you is because this church and all of you have confirmed that that is true. It is completely true. The only real way that life change really does happen is God working by His Holy Spirit through the individuals of a local church to reach and disciple the people God is drawing to Himself. That's how it works. When I was going over this, I thought, we could include this in the I Love My Church series. Because that, that's how it works. All of you have proven this to be true. So many spiritual stories of the spiritual stories in this room that I know of prove it as well. And I don't even know, them all, know of them all. Because families and kids who are in this church, their lives have been changed and families have been completely transformed and it's all because of a holy God's willingness to use imperfect people 
to build a trellis that helps others love God and love people together. And that's called the local church. In this case, it's Portview Church. And so Portview Church, thank you for being an answer to a prayer that I prayed long ago. of The reality and the significance of how real life change happens. It's been incredible. So be encouraged today. The trellis you have been building is working to help others love God and love people together, including my own family. We have had two of our three kids since we've been here. Two of our three kids, our two oldest, have become followers of Jesus since we've been coming to church here. Anthony, our oldest, has been baptized here. Anthony has also been filled with the Spirit at, at this church. And it's been an excellent example and an incredible experience for us to see this at work. So keep building Portview Church. There is more spiritual fruit because of it. My family and many of you sitting in here, I think, feel the same way. But also be challenged because there's more building that must happen. There are more, there's more that God wants you to do. There's more to reach through you. What is God asking you to do next? Be brave and courageous to participate in the building by being intentional with your spiritual growth and the growth of others around you. Form intentional relationships. Join a connect group. Find a place to serve. Um, families. Be intentional at home, right? With home point and faith path. Actively pursue the inflow that comes from a great relationship with God and experience the powerful reality of the overflow that that relationship will produce. Keep building the trellis. Why is this so important for us to understand this morning? Well, because to engage in this process is to be a part of something incredible. Listen to this. John chapter 15, verses 1-5, through we've read them. But if you jump down to verse 8, here's what verse 8 says. My Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. See, church, when you bear fruit and help others bear fruit, what are you doing? You are actually glorifying God the Father. You are bringing glory to the God that we serve. As followers of Jesus, this should give us great joy. God is most glorified when we bear fruit. The more fruit that is produced, the more glory God gets. So we all need to be bearing fruit and helping others do the same, all for the glory of God our Father. Amen? That's the beauty of it. And there is no greater work than your spiritual growth and the growth of those around you because nothing else can bring more glory to God than the spiritual fruit of His followers. There is nothing. You won't find it any other place. You will not be able to bring God more glory in any other way. Why do we all need to be engaged in the building of the trellis at Portview Church? Well, it's simply this. Because the trellis helps the branches grow better. The better the branches grow, the more fruit they'll produce. And the more fruit those branches produce, you and I, his followers, the more fruit we produce, the more glory our Father in Heaven receives. Now that's something that I want to be a part of. That has been our joy during our time at Portview. 
continue building the trellis, Portview Church. Before we stand and pray this morning, I want to take a minute and ask. I think it's only appropriate for us to take just a minute and ask God what our role needs to be in the process. Maybe you're not even a follower of Jesus yet. Maybe you've only been engaged in the inflow and haven't really been a part of the overflow. Or maybe you're tired and you feel like you have no flow. Maybe you just need to be encouraged today that what you are doing and what you are involved in matters and makes a difference because it does. I think it's just appropriate for us to just take a few moments in silence, which has been referred to throughout this service, just in the quiet of our own chairs, and be able to bring that to God in prayer this morning just for a few moments before we conclude together. As you stand this morning, allow it to symbolize the commitment to continue in the way God may have directed you in prayer. close in prayer, uh, but these altars are open. This is a time of reflection and prayer and to see what God might have for you and for your family and for whatever the Spirit may have spoken to you this morning throughout the service. So God, thank You. Thank You for Your incredible love for us. Thank You, Lord. for choosing to use each one of us, God, in something way bigger than ourselves. Thank You, God, that somehow into uh, imperfect, struggling people in our own humanity, that You have an inflow of Your Spirit's power, love, and ability to gift us. That we get to use that in some way. To be able to not only build ourselves up, but also build the trellis for those around us. God, help us to see that bigger picture. Help us to move from maybe just inflow into overflow. Help our hearts, God, change our hearts so much so that we desire more of You. For us personally, yes, but Lord, may it go beyond. It's for the sake of others that we need to grow. Maybe for the sake of what you want us to do next, we need to be challenged. For the reality of what you're trying to do in our own hearts, that you'll want us to share with others at some point, Lord, would you just help us to have an incredible influence so that we can be filled with your spirit, your love, and have your heart to be able to share that with others. We overflow, God, the fruit of the Spirit in other people's lives. So we build one another up. We can build a structure that other people can grow upon and become people and reach the potential that God has for each one of them. Lord, you lived that example for us. You showed us how to do that. We're grateful for it. So Lord, as we go this week, help us to be intentional. Help us, Lord, to be able to focus on the things that you want us to focus on. Help us to be able to prioritize our lives in such a way so inflow and overflow even if it has a chance to happen. Lord, help us have the courage and the strength to make changes that we need to make in order to help us grow and to help others grow around us. 
structure our lives, God. Help us to make changes so that that is our true priority. And God, thank you for all the faith building, Lord, all the examples of life change that are in this church. Lord, thank you for how you use the local church to be able to reach and grow each other, Lord, but also reach the world around us. Lord, we are so honored to be a part of your local church. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Everybody said, Amen.